you might not survive it. And, and two, they're going to have to have enough equity to replace yeah. you on the founder team with, with somebody else. Um, and then once the one-year anniversary uh, has hit and, and you vest into your one-fourth of your shares, you'd then vest either quarterly or monthly uh, for an additional three years. So you wouldn't be fully vested until four years. Now, that being said, Vitaly, even if you have vested fully vested over four years and you go to market to sell your company and you have one of Silicon Valley's uh, iconic buyers uh, who's given you a term sheet to acquire you, which is fantastic news, um, they will ask you probably to revest again over you know some two to four year period to make sure that once they acquire you that 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 you're still there to make sure that the integration is successful and that the 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 um, business purpose of the transaction is realized uh, and so there really is a a, a a longer time horizon for your equity than just a year or two years and and there's not usually a, a quick hit um, so in terms of founder drama, what I tell people is that if you're if there is any drama, the company's probably dead. So whatever issues you have, please put them in perspective. Uh, that if you choose to to resolve those issues uh, at the uh, to the detriment of the company's success, then the company's going to fail. And I personally am the first one to say I resign if I see uh, intractable founder drama that isn't quickly resolved. And, and what I tell um, you know, CEO founders is to make sure that they that everyone understands on the team that that they are going to resolve that uh, very quickly and never let a cancer uh, grow inside of a company. And I find that you know when when uh, CEOs are 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 um, strong on that perspective that that they're able to, for the most part, uh, keep it to a minimum. Did, did I did I hit your uh, the answer you were looking for? You, you hit all you hit all the uh, all the points. I think uh, actually much more so. Um, appreciate that. So when let's say we move beyond the founders and we're hiring the first employee, what are just some of the most important things that need to be thought about? Um, great question. So the first thing I find is that um, my clients will tell me that they're bringing on their first employee not as an employee but as a consultant. And especially in the state of California, now that we've passed AB5, uh, which uh, is designed to put some brakes on the gig economy, um, a consultant will could, could very well be viewed in the rearview mirror as having been an employee, uh, which will make you, the company, liable for failure to pay uh, payroll taxes um, and uh, failure to provide benefits and all sorts of other uh, negative consequences that are to be avoided. So the, the first thing is if you are bringing on a consultant is to make sure that you have that person sign a consulting agreement uh, that your lawyer can give you. It's a standard form, which makes sure that everyone understands that the consultant uh, decides uh, when and where and how to provide the services, um, that, that uh, the consultant is not required to show up in the office at certain times every day and doesn't receive directions, doesn't report uh, to anyone other than delivery of the final product. Um, so let's assume then that you've decided that it's a consultant and you've um, uh, papered it properly with a consulting agreement. Uh, that should have a scope of work and a scope of services and a fee arrangement on, uh, as an appendix to it. Um, sometimes there will be equity uh, or, or common stock that'll come out of the option pool. Um, that's perfectly fine. Just got to track that. Uh, so that you don't exceed the Rule 701 limits on on equity grants, 
um, and you make sure that you know the company's intellectual property is protected by having them sign this agreement. Um, now, if it's an employee, as you was as was the premise of your question, and sorry for this uh, long parentheses, um, you're going to want to give them an offer letter. You're going to want to enter them into your payroll system. Aha! Do you have a payroll system? Uh, you need to get one. Uh, because you're going to be responsible for at least payroll taxes and potentially uh, benefits and other things. So a lot of uh, startups uh, have been using Trinet for a number of years, uh, which is essentially a, a pooled services arrangement where you can pool together a number of, of companies and benefit from uh, the, the, the greater buying power of, of Trinet to, to get your, your, um, your benefit programs. And, and they provide a lot of the... Um, back office uh, compliance services. Um, but there are other platforms as well. Uh, uh, Gusto is one that's very popular with um, startups. And, and if you have a finance uh, function, uh, QuickBooks and, and uh, the Intuit family of products can, can provide that function uh, as well. Um, you're also going to want to make sure that that employee immediately signs what's called a proprietary information and invention assignment agreement, or a PIIA. And your employee is going to have a lot of confidential information. They're going to know who your customers are, what your roadmap is, and they may actually be innovating your technology. And you want to make sure that all of that information is protected and all of those inventions belong to the company. And, and so having your employee sign that separate document is, is really important. Oftentimes, it will also say uh, that the employee is, is at will and acknowledges that. And, 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 and in other circumstances, uh, we'll have the employee acknowledge that if there's ever a dispute uh, about the terms of their employment, that they will agree to resolve it in arbitration, which is a very controversial uh, subject these days, uh, whether uh, employees should be forced to arbitrate disputes with employers or whether they should have recourse to the courts. And uh, the theory from an employer perspective and, and you as the startup want to be able to resolve that in arbitration because one, it can be done confidentially in a streamlined fashion uh, more quickly and at less cost. Um, and so that's the argument for arbitration. The, arbitra the argument against arbitration, of course, is that um, you know it's not done in, in the light of day and that uh, employees have less of an ability to um, receive justice um, in the arbitration system rather than the court system. And uh, that is a raging debate in, in society right now. Um, finally, um, you know, you're going to want to onboard them with whatever materials they need. Uh, make sure that they know who their reporting lines are and what their expectations are, uh, Vitali. And uh, people like you are, are very good at, uh, at, uh, at onboarding employees and, and helping them uh, get quickly integrated and, and make them successful. We try, we try. <laughs> it's been a while since I've had to take that burden uh, in my businesses. So, um, so let's talk real quickly. Um, maybe, I mean, this could be a topic that we could dive into for a whole episode. But how do you structure that first investment? Uh, you know, what are some of the very, very basics that uh, you you help with startups? Oh, great question. Um, so, at the very, very beginning, um, I. Uh, meet with founders oftentimes when they're still employed uh, by somebody else. Um, I make sure that um, they're not using their their then employer uh, computer systems or resources to create or evolve the technology uh, that they would like to make into a new company in that they are very careful to comply with whatever agreements that they've signed with their then current employer and exit at the right time to make sure that the company can be successful.